Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wrestle Culture. Wrestling! 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 Revolution! What was that? What was that? That was a U2's uh, elevation, but to the tune of Revolution. That was absolute sh. <laughs> that was absolutely horrendous, and realistically, like we might be able to get some people on board who are new, and they've just they've just stopped listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've already sworn, so that's us. That's us gone. <laughs> That sets the tone for this piece of trash. Indeed. Welcome to <laughs> Wrestle Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture. Joined by Andy Murray and Michael Sidgwick from What Culture to discuss all the goings on in wrestling this week and look ahead to AEW Revolution this weekend. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews. Roundtable discussions and a roundup of the week complete with a bunch of quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Andy and Sidgwick to look ahead mainly to Revolution this weekend. Sidge, uh, it's going down on Sunday night. We will, of course, be doing a live stream on our YouTube channel for it. Uh, and I talked about this earlier on the Rampage preview, potentially being the best-selling AW pay-per-view ever. I would guess that it's going to perform incredibly well, but to the standard of Full Gear 2021, I don't think the all-out record is getting broken. Just the hype around Punk, the the specter, the glorious specter of Danielson debuting, just a general sense of momentum. It's settled into normality now, AEW, like a really great one most of the time, but ahead of all-out 2021, it really felt like, well, Fed's dead. (laughs) Fed's dead. I really felt like it might overtake. I don't care that it doesn't as long as TNT is happy because I'm happy at this point. Yeah. Uh, mm. Andy, how are you feeling ahead of this this pay-per-view? I mean, it's one of the most stacked lineups they've ever done, for sure. Um, going to be impossible to recreate the CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole-induced hype. Even though, you know, the debutants weren't announced, you kind of knew they were showing up mm. uh, for All Out. I don't know... It'll be a long time before the company gets back to being able to replicate something like that, unless Brock Lesnar shows up at the weekend somehow, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I'm feeling good about it. It's a it's a good lineup. Um, it's a lot of matches. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes the, the the issue often with these AEW shows is not individual match quality. It's how they're structured. And, and, and sometimes four hours can feel like five mm-hmm. um, because of the way they're laid out. It's not a fault of the performers. It's a fault of how they're paced and, and all of that. Um all Out 2021 was the exception to that. It was an exceptional show from start to finish. Um, full gear, not so much, I think, with the pacing. So uh, going into these shows, that's my uh, always my only concern uh, with these is that they'll feel a bit longer than they actually are. Um, and, you know, there's no such thing as too long or, like, a number. You can't just go, right, four hours is too long. Because, yeah. no, if the four great hours and they're well, well spaced out, they're not too long. But, yeah, I'm rabbiting on something that doesn't actually matter, <laughs> I, I, I realise. But, yeah, it looks like a good show. No, I think it's a fair concern to look at it. Like you say, 11 matches, nine matches on the main card, which for us in the UK starts at 1 a.m. So, yeah, four hours is more than enough. Yeah. Thanks very much. Uh, we'll run through the matches. Then let's start on the uh, on the buy-in. Um who do you think is going to win between Hook and QT Marshall? Since? I think QT Marshall is going to lose. He's going to get dumped on his head. They're going to have reserved one amazing hook spot. There's like one per match at this point where he does something incredibly cool that only one, that only a wrestler could pull off one of these spots. And anymore, it just feels like there's nothing worse than an aspirational wrestler who thinks like they're really clever or badass, like Triple H or Braun Strowman or EC3 or Karrion Cross, Like, they're the worst kind of wrestlers for me. 
Actually, someone like Randy Orton who's really boring. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like people who think they're badass is it's amusing, but only to a point. Like the idea, the concept is amusing of people pretending and posturing to be harder than they are. But then in execution, it's just a really drab experience. The genius of Hook is that he can do every badass cliche, pull it off in his own unique way, and they are drip-reading every single mm. one to the audience. So he's going to kill QT Marshall. It's not going to be particularly competitive. I think the storyline, the character, and the, the the show it's on means it's going to be five minutes, if that. It's going to be incredibly cool. Hook's amazing. I can't conceive of what the spot is because they do a better job of doing it than I do. It's a Gansel bomb. Yes! <laughs> wow. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for these two to replicate the quality of the previous QT Marshall pay-per-view singles match in AEW. Um, but I think, you know, if anyone's got a got a chance of, of matching uh, this this stage of his career, Paul White, it's <laughs> it's probably Hook, yes. Um, on the other uh, the other match on the buy-in, Andy, is uh, Chris Stanton versus, versus Layla Hirsch. And God bless the United States. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we play when we never say Layla Hirsch. Okay. Sure. And God bless the United States. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't compute, but sure. <laughs> it feels like Layla Hirsch has to win this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, the rivalry has maybe gone on a little bit too long. I think you could have probably wrapped this on a dynamite a couple of weeks ago. Um, it seems like this story, and I appreciate that they've told this story because it's something out with the immediate title picture and out with the like secondary figures in the title picture, which is good. We need to do more of that. But it does feel like there have been like two or three week periods where there's been nothing from these yeah. the, these people, even taking like dark and elevation into account. So yeah, I mean, the, the, giving Layla Hirsch's character some teeth over the past few months has been a really good idea, giving her a bit more of an edge. Quietly... I'm going to sound like an elitist hipster here, but I don't care. Quietly, away from AEW, she's one of the most improved wrestlers in the world over mm-hmm. the past year. She has had some exceptional matches on the indie scene, well above her experience level. A particularly great one against Wheeler Utah a couple of months ago. Uh, for, I believe for the IWTV Championship. I could be wrong. Um, uh, and she's a breakout star, a potential breakout star for sure. Whether or not that'll come sooner or later in AEW, I think probably later, because um, she's still young and everything. But... Feels like a good ascendant victory for Leila Hirsch. Uh, she's quite high in the rankings, isn't she? Or am I thinking of someone else? I'm not sure. Even if she isn't, it would be a good idea to push her under the presumed um, the presumed new champion mm-hmm. in Dr. Britt Baker. They're building Serena Deeb heavily on television at the moment with the rookie challenge. Leila Hirsch, God bless Leila Hirsch, um, <laughs> is another... Um, performer who can give Thunder Rosa like a great defense. So I expect Layla Hirsch to go over. It would kind of be justice considering how wildly, weirdly <laughs> awful that that Chris Statlander line was. I expect the match to be very good oh. indeed. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you die. Yeah, so I expect <laughs> it to um, be very, very good if not particularly enthusiastically received. But I do like the fact that it's going on the buy-in. Mm. It's progress. Um, three women's matches on an AEW pay-per-view, I believe, is kind of unheard of. Um, so, yeah, more meritocracy. As we get onto the main card, let's just start. Statland has deserved something she substantial. She rules. She absolutely rules. She's deserved something substantial yeah. for quite some time. As we move on to the main card, though, let's start by talking about that women's world title match. Britt Baker uh, defending against Thunder Rosa. Um, hell of a history between these two. Is there any um, concern for you going into this with the reports around Thunder Rosa's injury that they may keep the title on Baker, or do you think it's almost a, a lock that there's going to be a title switch here? Uh, the nature of the injury wasn't specified, but one has to presume, given that she's actually capable of working yeah. the show and it's not being cancelled or postponed, that she's just about all right to go, and look, Kenny Omega was strapped up when he was a shell of his former self, yes. and yet still incredible, I might add. Um, so it would feel like a bit sexist if they <laughs> like postponed or outright cancelled what is surely like a long-term plan, the idea that Dunder Rosa was going to take the title yeah. off Baker. It's one of those where it feels like the plan all, all along, but there's no real... I'm not really interested in either outcome. They've not really built my interest in this match at all. I've said this on the Dynamite review, so I'll fly over to Andy very quickly for his thoughts, but it just is incredibly lazy. Mm-hmm. They had an iconic match once. People were begging out for a rematch. Wait almost a full year to do it, or over a full year, in fact, and then do it. 
weird. You'd never see this with the men's division. It's another indictment of the way that AEW uh, perceives women internally. And I have reservations on match quality. I don't think either woman feels like they are the stars. Like they very much Mm. were glowing with the praise and the and the momentum and the prestige of that match. Maybe they should have run it back a lot quicker somehow yeah. because it, it feels like they're coasting on a match that's kind of not been forgotten about, but like it's been several great AEW matches since then. They don't feel particularly confident. They don't feel particularly relevant. Um, they always had good physical chemistry, even outside of the plunder. I do remember the brawls that led to their first match, which I believe was a beach break. So it's not match quality. It's just how much people care about it, and that's as important as the work itself. I still expect Rosa to go over... Um, but the best thing they can do for me is to cap this at a maximum of 15 minutes. If they try to labor under the pretense that this is an epic mm. and fake that it's an epic, people will see through that. Like they've kind of seen through the latter phase of this build. 15 minutes maximum. Not only does it not test the audience's patience, who've lost patience with this build, but um, you get the best of the, the fiery brawling dynamic don't do a methodical epic for its sake <laughs> yeah what do you think Andy? and were you shocked to see thunder rosa pin brit baker on dynamite this week yeah it was um it was an interesting finish it's something that can be quite an effective way to build to a title match uh, and show visually that she can beat this person when it's just them one-on-one um and it's become kind of a cliche in other companies who, who spam it and will go unmentioned mm-hmm. um but it's not really something AEW. wwe yeah, there we go. Um, up the road in Stamford, um, the Fed, cap, whatever. Um, I've lost my train of thought. I was too busy being a bell end. Where was I going? AEW haven't really done it a lot. quite a lot, that, doesn't it? So, hey, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're five foot two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they do, they do it a lot in WWE. Yes. It's not something that happens very often in AEW. Yeah, that, I was, that's the point. Thank you, you for holding this mess together. Um the matches, I completely agree with Sidgwick's thoughts on the build. It's very reliant on... Thunder Rosa gets really good crowd reactions no matter how much we use her, so we don't need to use her all that much. That seems to be their thought process. Yeah. And it's nonsense, of course. You want a good story to sink your teeth into going into the pay-per-view. Not just, hey, they've got history. Remember the great match? Cool. Yeah. There you go. Um, the injury is interesting. Tough to know what to, to, to read on this because the, the report was very brief in the Observer this week. It was like she was hurt and she's wrestling on Sunday. That was literally it. Um, Banda Rosa is tough as hell. Uh, she wrestles like 700 times a year. That's an exaggeration, obviously. She's done mixed martial arts fights. She runs a promotion. Very busy person. Uh, probably banged up quite a lot the amount of time she works. Um, so I have a lot of faith in her still being able to deliver a good performance. Um, curious more than excited, I think, for this one, unfortunately, as a consequence of the build. But I think both of these uh, wrestlers are tremendous on their day. So, yeah, cool. Uh, fascinating to know your thoughts. We've talked a lot about it on uh, on our previews and reviews of, of Dynamite and Rampage uh, about the six-man tornado tag team match. The AHFO, that's Andrade yeah. El Idolo, Isaiah Castillo and Matt Hardy versus Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara and Sting. Uh, obviously, there's the TNT Championship triple threat, so who knows going to be going into the match with the TNT title. But what do you think about this whole thing? I think people are out to lunch with their takes on this match, 100%. Everyone's looking at this, and when it was announced, it kind of it like quietly appeared on the Wikipedia page one day uh, rather than getting like a big song and dance about it. It was just booked, and it was, and everyone was like, oh, no, oh, Matt Hardy, I don't like Matt Hardy on TV, and Andrade's not been that great, and oh, Sammy's not very good at a baby face, and all, of and all of this. Stings in the match, lads. Like, it really is that simple. Look, the build to this has been rubbish. I'm not gonna, I'm not yes. gonna argue with that. And people are entitled to look at some of the names and go, "Hey, that, uh, okay, sure." I mean, it's a match. Stings in it. That literally, it's such a reductive take. Um, it, I shouldn't get paid to have that take because it's so thick. But it's true. Sting hasn't had a bad match since he came into AEW. Two years since the cinematic match, then. It would be, yeah, yeah. And what a triumph that was. Him and Darby together have the highest hit rate in the company. Every single match is just a riot of a time. They wrestle once every three months or whatever, and it's the highlight almost every single time. Uh, this will rule. Sammy will work his ass off as well. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy is going to do the greatest squeal ever when Sting does a pop-up no-sell spot. I can't wait. It's Sting. I, I can't not get hyped for this man. They are going to have something incredibly cool up their sleeve for the Sting spot. Sting, Stingo's tranquillo? Just <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So Maybe. we've got the Sting thing covered. 
Um, Darby Allen is going to do something ridiculous in this match, maybe from an absolutely gigantic height off the set. Isaiah Cassidy is just very much game for a ridiculous bump. Andrade has no regard for his own body whatsoever. <laughs> Sammy is also crackers. I think a lot of people are thinking, you know what? A lot of the guys in here are very talented. The stipulation allows them to indulge their lunacy. Even if I'm not that hyped about the build, I'm going to be excited about the match. I'm going to do something I rarely do on this podcast. I'm going to put Matt Goddamn Hardy over. The best thing he's done by not by like barn on rather in AEW other than Stadium Stampede. So match with Darby Allen on Dynamite, and it went all over the backstage area. It was pretty nuts by Matt Hardy standards, and it got raves. It's kind of forgotten about because AEW is generally so great and peaks so high, and it's not up there with the very best things I've ever done. Mm. But Matt Hardy knows how to lay this kind of thing out. He's done this kind of stuff for years, probably more than he's done like singles matches. He's done plunder gimmicks. He's quite a creative guy. I don't want to see him labor for eight minutes against Pentner no. in the ring on TV. He can't work those kinds of matches. I think even if his influence isn't really apparent, it will be felt in the way it's laid out. I think this will be excellent. It's a little bit of a can-they-coexist storyline, arguably with both teams, with the sort of friction between Andrade and Hardy with the, the you know the, the match last week on Rampage. And was Hardy helping Andrade or pushing his foot off the bottom rope, whatever it may be? And as I mentioned, uh, Darby and Sammy going at it tonight on Rampage, uh, as well as with Andrade with the uh, TNT title on the line. As a part of that, do you think this is maybe the, the breakup of the AHFO? And could we even see Jeff Hardy tonight? Uh, no, not tonight, legal, but Sunday. Legally, we can't. Okay. And given that he was an idiotic enough to <laughs> say, I'm going to AEW, then seriously, they might have a bit of caution about signing him as soon as he's available. What a moron. He was very silly, wasn't he? And there was a talk of WWE trying to find something they can make of legally from all of this, uh, from Dave Meltzer on the mm -hmm. Observer Radio. So... Yeah, I, I mean, breaking up the, the AHFO definitely seems to be on the cards. The Hardy keeps walking out on dudes. Uh, he doesn't like hanging out with Andrade, who is still trying to buy that little kid from, from Sting, by the looks of it, uh, which would be fine but for me because it can free up my boys to go and chase the tag team titles. Shout-outs to the Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the TBS Championship match because uh, talking about it will be brief, as will the match, probably. Jay Cargill defending against Take On T. Not as necessarily a straightforward title defense, but also I wouldn't be that concerned that Jade's going to drop the title here. No, she's not going to drop the title. I want this to be, it won't be as good, but I kind of want this to be um, Kenta versus Ricky Marvin, except done between Jade Cargill and Take On T. Mm. Sub five minutes of just bombs trying to kill each other really hard. I expect them to do some kind of um, pumping bicycle kick spot, no sell. The person who's just taken it, kicking the other one in the face, them coming back, some kind of fry Takiyama. Like, make us feel like an urgent sprint fight between someone who's incredibly strong versus someone who is legitimately, in terms of a various um, martial arts backgrounds, like incredibly tough. Loads of fire, Trash talk in the middle of the ring. I've got genuinely high expectations that if they don't try to work a traditional pro wrestling match and they just emphasize character, emphasize strikes, emphasize just tone more than trying to craft a wrestling match, there's a very good version of this match, and I think they're actually going to promote it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I look forward to all of Jade's matches, not from like, uh, oh, it's going to be this five-star epic or whatever, but... From watching her growth, uh, like the Anna J match was really, really good a few weeks ago. Uh, her presence, even through a television screen, is absolutely... I love Jade Cargill. I think she's awesome. Yeah. I don't care if she can't do seven different variations of a butterfly suplex. Who cares? She can learn that stuff in time. She possesses things that can't be trained, and that's what's important. And that's why she's a quarter-hour ratings draw, which has been proven now. Uh yeah, I'll, I love Kenta versus Ricky Marvin. <laughs> seven days out of seven, I will watch that. If you've not seen it on the podcast, it's probably been uploaded by like seven different dudes on YouTube. Just check it out. It's like two minutes or something of the best stuff of all time. Um, Jade, Jade's going to kill her. Ty's going to show some fire. Conti can really lay it in with her strikes when she wants to as well. Like, some of her dark and elevation matches in particular, she beats the crap out of people. Like, it's really, it's something else. Uh, and Jade, obviously, has that immense pump kick and other things in her arsenal. This'll be, this'll be a lot of fun. And Jade's right, nobody gives a damn about that karate sh 
So <laughs> that was a good, that was a nice quip. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the uh, non-tile matches, Andy. Uh, and uh, one of them is whether or not Eddie Kingston can earn Chris Jericho's respect and also whether or not he wants it. Yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to this to a level I didn't expect because Chris Jericho wasn't at his best in AEW. I think it's safe to say pre fozzy tour. He's come back and he's gotten himself in outrageous shape. Hell of a transformation, yeah. Two months or something. I want his secret. Tell me your secret moves, really, Chris. Really hard work, I think. Yeah, discipline, diet, working out. I can't do any of those. Or so. ab implants, if you believe this. So <laughs> <laughs> insane. I wish these idiots would uh, like just acquaint themselves with a, an ocean called Occam's Razor. Hmm. The most simplest explanation is often the correct one. If you are performing gymnastics in your head because he works for AEW and you are simply um, unable to reconcile the most basic explanation, can't possibly be right because that would that would shatter your reality. You need psychiatric help. Are people actually saying that? that yeah, said? not only that, but uh, when we talked about it, jo- joked about it, I think it's fair to say, uh, uh, not giving it any credence on one of the I'm not saying it's bad to need psychiatric help. I've got anxiety and stuff, but come on, touch yeah. grass. Touch grass, yeah. But when we, talk, when we joked about it on the podcast last week, someone responded to the tweet promoting whatever podcast it was on saying, oh, I see we're body shaming Chris Jericho. And I was like, no, we're literally saying the opposite. We're saying he hasn't got abdomen. Yeah. He just worked really hard, maybe kicked the boots. He's in ridiculous bit. shape. Ridiculous shape. <laughs> Like, just, like it's, it's one of those where you see that photo, the transformation. It's a, it's a hell of an effort he's put in. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not bothering. Like that's the most obvious solution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the guy has worked very hard, mm. and that's a credit to him. And he's also worked extremely hard on his character mm. because the the, the oh, this he's turn, it's a hell of a turnaround. The, yeah, the quality of this stuff is. The quality of this stuff is really going under the radar in terms of how much praise it's receiving. This. S-H-I-T is genuinely brilliant. Mm. They start the whole thing, or they escalate the whole thing with one of these, and you guys will, will, will know this from the amount of times I've moaned about these segments in the office. Nobody hates the Chris Jericho song and dance segment more than me. The town hall, meeting inner circle, group planning Arlay. session, the KPI. I, I hate that stuff. All of it. Love it. So when this was announced, I was like, oh, cool, you're putting the realest, most legitimate guy the coolest guy in the company in one of these awful sports entertainment segments. They did that and they flipped it on their head and made it great because they have they turned Chris Jericho into the ultimate sports entertainment goober with this. The mere idea that Eddie Kingston needs the fabled rub, that farcical Stamfordian construct that exists. Wonderful turn of phrase. Yeah, there you go. It, it still exists in modern wrestling. This myth that rubbing shoulders or shaking hands with some guy who's been doing it for five years longer than you somehow makes you a massive star and somehow transforms your career regardless of how many. It's ridiculous. And they've played into that here. Chris Jericho is so lost in his own ego. He sees Eddie Kingston as this scruffy, try-hard indie guy. Can't break through the glass ceiling. He can't be a big star like me, but I tell you what, if you pin me, I'm going to give you the rub. What a load of nonsense. He is so lost. He is completely consumed by himself. Eddie Kingston's going to beat his ass. Chris Jericho's going to get up, offer him a handshake, and Eddie Kingston's going to beat his ass again, and it's going to be awesome. He knows what he's doing as well. At this point, I've become convinced that GFY, he knows it's bad. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of convinced, even if it isn't, it's And still- the influencer. And he kind of, even if he isn't, and he thinks GFY is like kind of cool, get heat, but get a pop. It, it doesn't matter. It works either way, whether he's um, intending it or not. I think this match will help the general sequencing of the card, in addition to being great in itself. This match in the dog collar, just through the nature of the people involved or the step or whatever, I can't see these being sort of dragged out 20 minute plus epics. Like Eddie Kingston, the CM Punk, did 11. Incredible minutes at full gear. Eddie Kingston and Danielson did 14, I think. Incredible minutes on Rampage. Actually, yeah. I'm not saying that Eddie Kingston can't go a certain amount of time. I'm saying Eddie Kingston is clever enough, and God knows he's one of the few, who knows that you do not have to go a ridiculous amount of time to get critical acclaim or just to do something cool. This is going to be a hot, hateful, pissy brawl, um... There's a potential for a styles clash, but Chris Jericho can brawl. And I think people might have forgotten that because the standard is kind of slim, mm. but the Naito mm. matches 
the Naito one at Wrestle Kingdom. Even the first Omega one. First Omega yeah. one is brawling was great, but I honestly think, and obviously one was more important and more over and possibly more entertaining, but the Naito match at the following Wrestle Kingdom was absolutely incredible. If they can reach that or even approach it with the kind of pissy, just walk and brawl intensity with, a few, camera yeah. with a few high spots thrown in. This could be absolutely awesome. Uh, I like the fact that GM... 14 G- minutes, it doesn't need it longer. Yeah. yeah. And Eddie Kingston wins. Yes. Yeah. Backfist is ass to uh, the future. I also did do find it hilarious that... Backfist. Judas Effect, duck, backfist as you finish. Yeah. Boom. Perfect. Cock the head back, laugh, good. I do like the fact that whatever the plan was with GFY, even if it was this plan, buggered the moment that John Moxley showed back up. Yeah. And said his first words back on the mic. Uh, he is, of course, in action <coughs> against Brian Danielson. Not necessarily in a first blood match, Sige, but a blood match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Pr- I kind of hope they don't. Because they are... I, I like blood. I have blood in every match. Like I don't ever get desensitized to blood. I think this is. I know Dave Meltzer's like very meticulously studied day, data and ratings patterns and all the rest of it. He's probably arrived at some objective conclusion that too much blood. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I have blood so much. I love blood so much. It never not resonates with me, especially when it's a great gusher. I always just get absolutely jazzed, and jazzed leads me to. What I think I'm going to feel during this match is, which was kind of a ridiculous thing to predict, because, but it's also ridiculous to analyze the prospective quality of this match. It's going to be incredible. I predict, however, that this will go oh about 16 to 18. Again, I don't think it's in the nature of the two guys involved to do this sort of like. I just think they're going to really hurt each other like quickly <laughs> and efficiently. There is going to be a bit in this match. That might, for the first eight minutes or so, it might feel aimless. There might be bits where you think, oh, it's very intricate, this. And it's all going to build in plain sight. There are going to be three minutes in this match at the finish, right? Guaranteed. Three minutes at this finish, and everyone's going to lose their minds at how incredibly brutal, violent, and earned all of the the wrestling is. There's going to be three minutes that will live forever, that will all have been expertly built to, and people are going to be standing and pacing and how awesome it is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Sort of divided in terms of who you think is going to win it as well, don't you? I've got any idea. <laughs> I've, I'll give you my idea. Given the storyline is that Danielson's trying to coax Moxley into creating this dojo, mm-hmm. and then they can splinter off and form different dojos and do Cobra Kai, which <laughs> sounds absolutely <Yes>. awesome. <laughs> I think that Danielson has to win and Moxley, not reluctantly because he's his own man and he's a badass, he can do what he wants, but out of respect, he'll go, you know what, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll join you in the aftermath. I think John Moxley's going to win. The rivalry's going to continue in a different form because I'm a mark for my own fantasy booking, which is Danielson and all the young guys, Garcia, Moriarty, Wheeler, Utah, against Moxley, Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. Oh. That's the match I want most in 2022. It's probably not going to happen, but it's the one I want most. Um... This is going to rule, isn't it? Like, yeah. do, I think they have extremely complementary styles because they wrestle in completely different ways. Uh, John Moxley is a rough-round-the-edges bruiser. Uh, he looks kind of sloppy in a way that enhances his work and makes it feel it's realer. because he can't do sh- that exactly. makes him a great wrestler. Thank you, Minoru Suzuki. The ultimate appraisal. He's not a grey lump of trash. Um, <laughs> whereas Brian Danielson... Um, I, I think Daniel, Brian Danielson's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah. He's so adaptable. Um, and like his little flea month run in AEW at the end of the year, it was like, it, it, it's crazy that because of that three month run, he finished like second in the most outstanding wrestler, uh, the Wrestling Observer Awards. On that, that speaks to the quality of his work, is what I'm trying to say, like across the board. And like, but they're they're both really violent dudes in completely different ways. Uh, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing the most is how they mesh together. I think they'll do an excellent job. The story rules, Moxley rules, Danielson's a great little sniveling heel doing his flexes in the triangle and stuff. I can't wait for Moxley to bust this little prick up. Well, this is it. We were talking about this in the office earlier, and uh, my my, I, I, I have no idea who's winning. I'd probably lean towards Brian Danielson, but um, I had a spot where Danielson does that triangle choke of his and does the Nate Diaz flex, and uh, it's incredibly dangerous. I often book these spots. But I like the idea of Moxley just picking him up and Rampage Jackson just slamming him down. Yes. That's how you get out of a submission right there. One uh, more thing. Is this the night 
if he ever is going to return, will we see Trunks marks? Ooh, Ooh, that's a shout. For this specific match against this specific opponent. We could well yes, see it. He's back. Uh, I just want to see that legs. He's, he's, got, got, a nice, he's got nice bites. I like legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be intrigued as well if, if Brian Danielson wins this and doesn't bleed. Yeah. Oh, like you bust Moxley wide open and just nothing on him. Like, yeah. It works. Even, I know we talked about this on the, uh, the Dynamite podcast. I've got a weird kink for people smearing someone else's blood across themselves. And with Danielson's fairly pale chest, I'll look even better. It'll look like yeah. You won't see it because it'll be his chest will be too. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll get the, he'll get his chest chopped to pieces. That photo after the second page match of him taping his own busted open head up. This guy rules. <laughs> I can't wait for this. Yeah, really. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, we've also got a three-way for, uh, for the tag titles. A Jurassic Express defending against both Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. Young Bucks obviously qualifying on Dynamite. Who do you think leaves as, as tag champions? Jurassic Express. I think the bollocks with the lads. The the the. Are we friends? Are we all, the, all of that stuff is going to get in their own way, and I think Jurassic Express are going to leave with the belts because uh, it's Michael Sidgwick's take, so I'll let him have it. I think there are more obvious next champions elsewhere on the roster. Um, yeah, the, I mean the form of storytelling throughout this feud hasn't been for me. Uh, it's not really the kind of stuff I enjoy, the, the Adam Cole tug of war. Um, but I appreciate that 90% of the people who are watching the show love it. So you, you don't sit here and go, it sucks or whatever. It's got, hey, it's a different, it is a subjective thing. Um, but I think match quality wise, this could, this, I mean, this, we've said, I feel like we've said this about every single match, but this could be absolutely incredible, couldn't it? They could work one of the ultimate AEW spot fests between, in a match that has six wrestlers, three of whom aren't really spot fest guys at all. Guys like Bobby Fish and, well, I guess Luchasaurus kind of is. Yeah, yeah, like that's his whole deal. I'll come in and do my cool spots. <laughs> um, but yeah, this could be a lot of fun. Like Kyle O'Reilly in particular in the small flashes we've seen on him on TV lately. This oh, guy yeah. has been absolutely unreal and he's only given you little slivers of what he can do so far. Him and Bobby Fish haven't even had a conventional two-on-two match yet, uh, which is kind of mad to think that oh, they're yeah. getting... Yeah, it's mental to think that they're getting this tag team the title shot. Had but Kyle O'Reilly's yeah. kid not being yeah. born. Selfish baby arriving at the worst time. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. But. To be honest, I'm a Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, elite melodrama guy, but this particular chapter of it just feels very contrived. But who cares? Because the match will be great. It's very NXT, except obviously better, because NXT was always pretty great. <laughs> I think this will be incredible. There's some of the convoluted sequences to arrive at getting all six guys in the ring and getting Luchasaurus to clear the field. The just... It's going to be mental. It's a Young Bucks three-way match. It's going to be absolutely bonzo. I can't wait for it. I'm really looking forward to two things related to Jurassic Express, which I expect this match to highlight. They're not just going to win a match that also involves two great teams to sort of pad their reign out sort of thing. 
I think this is match is going to be expressly booked to flatter them. It's going to serve se- several masters, but the idea of Jungle Boy getting dickheaded by the Young Bucks, big league by the Young Bucks with their obnoxious but really exciting offense, and just getting kicked in the thighs, in the inner thighs by Bobby Fish, and just getting sweeped to the ground by Bobby Fish. Him like being resilient in the face of that and then doing the comeback. like He's a great baby face. That should be great. Just looking forward to the interactions between Luchasaurus and Kyle O'Reilly with his <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly face. It's going to be incredible. Like Kyle O'Reilly is like underrated as like a slapstick, physical sort of guy. We haven't seen that side of him in AEW. I think we see it on Sunday night. And Luchasaurus is going to be the guy to make his eyes bulge out. And it'll be incredibly fun. Who do you think leaves the tag show? Jurassic Express. And this will splinter into um, a feud that will sort of keep ticking along, whether you like it or not, until Kenny arrives. Then Red Dragon can do stuff with FTR, as was teased um, on the go-home. Did you hear uh, Tony Khan's comments about the trio's titles? Yes. Waiting to bring them in until Kenny's back. Absolutely. So they, he's showing his hand, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who do you think wins the face of the Revolution ladder match? We've still got one person to be confirmed, Sige. Obviously, Christian Cage versus Ethan Page tonight on uh, on Rampage. Uh, Wardlow, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy... And Keith Lee in there as well, of course. I'll give you my pick for the winner in a second, but I did promise on the Rampage yes. preview that I'm going to tell you why it's essential that Christian Cage is involved and at time of recording Friday afternoon, I think he will be. It's quite obvious that I think he will be. AEW, given the fact that they allow great wrestlers to express themselves creatively, given that they go for a way more gung-ho, full-throttle in-ring style where they... I don't want to say dangerous because you can do anything that seems dangerous if you're competent enough and it's not as dangerous as Nia Jax working an average match, for example. But you know what I mean. Yeah. That's just a useless waste of space. Oh, she's rubbish. But the idea is that AEW will do more exhilarating high spots, if you like, than WWE. WWE, to this day, are much better at AEW than doing multi-man ladder matches. Mm. It's quite incredible. It's the exact kind of thing you'd expect AEW to be much better on. And they've kind of done really boring ones, overlong ones. I think the best multi-match ladder match they've done was the one that Hangman Page won. And even then, I thought, in terms of 2021, the men's WWE Money in the Bank ladder match was much better. This is where Christian comes in. Christian Cage was um, highly regarded. Greatly regarded. Greatly regarded for his influence over the TLC matches. He put a lot of the best stuff in those together. Um, He's a genre expert. He's in it not only to not win it and just to do some cool things, but he's in it to lay that thing out. And I've got one fantasy booking spot before I give you the winner. In a triangle formation, Hobbs, Wardlow, Keith Lee, staring each other down, the three of them like, Orange Cassidy finds himself in the middle. Brilliant. One by one by one, starts kicking them in the leg. Like the big lads just start looking at each other as if to say, the fuck is he doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and then all three of them together, yeet him into the ring. And then this is where my Willborn impossible things, <laughs> things happen. He's going to get yeeted, put his hands in his pocket, and then fall on Christian Cage and Ricky Starks. I think Wardlow wins. The idea being that Keith Lee can go into a program with Team Taz, who screw him out of it or double team him out of it, and then that's the TV direction for him. Wardlow can then challenge Sammy Guevara. MJF can cost him the match. Um, that sets up MJF versus the Wardlow program. Oh, yeah. And then Danielson takes off Guevara because I just want Danielson to be the TNT champion for about two years. Sensational bit of fantasy booking. Um, I don't like ladder matches. Um I'm really bored of ladder matches in all companies. Had a lot of them. So many, so many. It, it, I think it was 2020 where the year WWE held, think of the history of ladder matches, decades, decades of them. Um, WWE in 2020 held 10% of the ladder matches in their history in one year. It was like one every couple of weeks. It was absurd. There's more ladder matches than months. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it, it's a completely ridiculous thing. And I'm so like desensitized to that style of wrestling and that style of match, which is why I'm so thankful for the lineup of this match because it's different. They haven't just gone, 
Here are the six wildest high flyers yeah. on the right. Here's Dante Martin. Uh, here's a bunch of other guys. Here's Sammy. Why not? Why not put him in there? Anyways, the champion. Blah blah blah. Shop. Um, <laughs> they've got no. Here's three gigantic mountains of beef. Here's Orange Cassidy, who can do the high flying stuff and has done it in previous lives in Shikara, but it's not his bread and butter. Um, although he'll take r- ridiculous bumps. Here's Ricky Starks, who can also do that stuff, but chooses not to because he's a detailed pro wrestler and he understands that. And here's probably Christian Cage for all the reasons Michael has just yeah. uh, established as a tremendous addition. So it's a different dynamic. Um, Keith Lee is obviously not a human being with the things he can do in the ring. <laughs> so he's going to have a lot of fun. My fantasy booking spot is a lot more primitive than Michael's. I just want to see him yeet Hobbs or Wardlow. Wow. I want to see a massive human being going flying. And I'm aware that these spots are more reliant on the person taking it because they have to propel themselves up and stuff. But would it not be fun to see some beef going flying across the room? The mark in me would like Hobbs to win because I love Hobbs. He's like one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Um, but I, yeah, I, I can't disagree. I think Keith Lee's a popular choice and he wouldn't be a bad winner at yeah, all. Yeah, he was, he was I was going to say. Yeah, but like I can't disagree with Wardlow. However, I wanted to go a step further. I want MJF to come out of this pay-per-view really in the mud. I know I would want him to go through a dark night of the soul over the past, over the coming couple of months. That means, you know, I've just spoiled my next pick, but whatever. That means that happening. That means Wardlow winning this match. That means Wardlow winning a title before him, oh. amplifying his jealousy and leading up to that eventual split. But if you do the storyline that Michael has just lined out, you can save that for later down the line, and it's even better. So fantasy booking, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, let's I'm, talk about yeah. the dog collar match. What on earth is going to happen in there, Andy? Blood and guts, mate. <laughs> Blood and guts. I, I'm really pissed off that this match exists because for years, my lazy hack take on on Greg Valentine versus Roddy Piper, the most famous dog collar match, has been, you know, it's a brand of pro wrestling violence that simply cannot be replicated in modern environments. But you know what? You found the two guys who are going to replicate it in, in CM Punk and MGF, who are on the precipice of having an all-time great pro wrestling feud. I think if this match delivers and... Why would I think it wouldn't deliver, given the quality of the first one, um, which in itself was a very territory-styled match with the dusty finish and the restart and the way it was the double limb work and all of that stuff. Like, why would you bet against it? But if if the match delivers, this is going to be an all-time great feud, if it isn't already. The past couple of weeks of tea... I mean, this thing has been magnificent from start to finish, uh, from their very first interaction with Punk bantering him off and everything, uh, to this week, where the multi-layered promo from MGF was... The previous week was just followed up on so perfectly. He is a more complex, layered villain who you now understand why he is the way he is. But coming out of that segment, the overwhelming feeling for me was that at this stage, he is completely beyond redemption. This isn't a redemption arc, which was the impression that a lot of us had coming out of the of the, of the the promo. While that promo did hint at a potential babyface future, it's clear coming out of the segment that that's a long way off because this man is a psychopath, a literal psychopath. Not in the sense of Nick Gage stabbing people up with shards of glass and pizza cutters and stuff, in the sense that the behaviors that he has exhibited since 2014 when CM Punk left pro wrestling are that of the kind of fan who approaches their idol and shoots them or does something even yeah. worse. He is literally Stan from the Eminem song. It's sensational work and he buries it under this bluster and this salt of the earth persona with the Burberry scarf and all of the other things that MGF has done in here. This, I am completely in love with this feud. It's my favorite wrestling feud since Moxley versus Kingston of 2020. Um, They're going to find a way to bring the visceral, ugly, difficult-to-watch Piper versus Valentine match into the modern era. Again, it's going to go 12 to 16 minutes tops. That's all they will need. I The ceiling for this is insanely high. Um, I was going to say it was through the roof. What a dumb statement that would be. The ceiling is through the roof. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to rule. Uh, Punk's going to win. MGF needs to be taught a lesson, but it's going to be a lesson he's going to learn nothing from. They should put this on last. They absolutely should put this on last. Anything that comes after it is going to struggle. And I just feel like there's something in the air. Everyone and like their dog just feels like this is special. Pun intended? No. Oh. Just 
just had a cliche. <laughs> so I couldn't think of anything else to say. I prefer still Omega versus Hangman Page, and I think a lot of people are really rooting for Hangman Page. But the advantage this has over that Full Gear 2021 main, at least in terms of the atmosphere, is that it's, everything about it is so immediate and so fresh. Yeah. Where, not to be so pretentious about it, but uh, Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega was an odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> a jazz odyssey. It's an odyssey that went on for on and on and on and on and on and on. So it didn't feel like it was immediate and at the forefront of everyone's mind as well. This is like, because so much had happened between the various story yeah. beats of like yeah. Davies yeah. and Pandemic. Yeah. And so. This has got an immediacy. This has got a sense of profound, everyone thinks this is special atmosphere going on. It's going to feel so incredible to watch them get their necks sort of dressed, if you like, for this match. The match itself is going to be very, very attritional and violent. I think there are going to be very few actual, like, throws, if you like. Not just high spots, but, like... I don't, know, I don't think they're going to pay full emulation tribute and just do an 80s-style match. They'll obviously modernise it in some way, but they'll get the tone. They are in love with the tone. They kind of hate the tone of modern pro wrestling, if you like. They will do this so well, but it won't feel like cosplay, because none of this has. Yeah. Um... The only thing they might do cosplay-wise is Punk's gear. Like, he might wear the royal blue to echo yeah. Piper's gear. He might. Or MGF might. They both might. It would look ridiculous. I don't know. I'm selling these guys short. I want to see some goddamn ear work. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see Greg Valentine just pound, wrapping his fist up in chain, yeah. pounding him in the ear. It's on the network. Just type in Starcade 1983. If you're a, a, a younger listener or someone who's recently gotten into wrestling and hasn't done their... It's like the big greatest hits of classic territory matches and Japanese matches that a lot of people from what culture have gone through. Absolutely, Piper versus Valentine is one of them. Homework, you might get a nice, cute reference. And if you don't, you get an absolutely incredible time. My favorite thing about the storyline before we move on quickly, and it sort of illustrates the beauty of it and AEW in itself. What didn't happen... The, the handshake law, the only good law in pro wrestling, right? It started with a handshake. Why it started with a handshake revealed itself later. Why MGF is why he is was explained by the handshake, and it was is mutated as hatred of Punk by the way in which he abandoned the handshake, which was particularly special to him. MGF didn't go, I've got a picture. Everyone look at this on the Tron. Look at he this didn't. photograph. Didn't. They knew <laughs> They knew when they were going to say something. To the, the the bit of the promo was like, I saw a picture of Danielson and Punk shaking hands. It must have been at the Rumble before their one and two slop, slop because you can see the Mania sign in the background. He didn't put that on screen. It's a WWE image as well, so I don't think he could have. But like, even if they could have, I don't think they would have. He just talked about the picture, knowing full well that one, at least one, sort of sleuth AEW fan would go through his old Facebook profile and pick it out, yeah. and then it would become, oh, it was real. Yeah, It was real. Just the trust they have in the audience to get all of this, the emotional complexity of the storyline, when it didn't feel like that was going to come as well, we were wrong-footed into thinking. Two old-school indebted guys are having a wonderful time doing a classic program, and it's great, but no, it's better than that. This has just been wonderful. Punk wins, because that's the story. Yeah, as much as I would love to see MJF win, I think it's the, it has to go that way. And but I he's still never lost. It, yes, indeed, and it's my it's my favorite feud they've ever done in AEW. This wow, um, I'm I'm, I'm so right there excited. with you. I'm so excited yeah. for Sunday night. Uh, finally, Sige, let's talk about the uh, the world title. Hangman Page defending against Adam Cole. Who leaves as AEW World Champion? Adam Page, but they will convince me. I'm sure they will convince me otherwise on the night in the in the thrust of the action. Um, this isn't as hot as everything else. I think they've done a good job of rehabbing the build over the last however many weeks, but this doesn't feel like the main event, and for that reason, I don't think it should go last. But it's going to. I'm going to have to deal with that. Hangman Page is very popular. Adam Cole's way more over in arenas than people who are either enjoying his run but not as much as they thought or are outright criticising it in bad faith. Me and Murray are going to have an interesting conversation here because we disagree quite yeah. intensely on yeah, we brawled over it earlier. A cop got broke. It was mental. It was crazy. So we <laughs> disagree quite intensely about the prospective quality of the match. I've been given reasons to believe that it will be great in a way that isn't... That was a great NXT match, but it was absolutely overflowing with cliches, and it annoyed me as much as it excited me. And it might not age very well because 
a lot of the, the shortcuts to get reactions were cheap and a little bit hokey. The way that 10 was positioned as Adam Cole's opponent and the way he really went after his knees was, me- was in my mind, meant to convey the idea of he can destroy someone's base and that means Paige can't do the buckshot. The flash of a sequence we got on the go-home I thought was fabulous. Adam P- uh, Page, in transitioning to do the, um, it's called the dead eye, was just throwing Adam a P- uh, Cole around yeah. like it was nothing because compared to Page's frame, he is. But Adam Cole's very slippery, slimy, escapologist, defensive wrestler. He slipped out of it and started just going at his knees with kicks and thrust kicks. This is going to be a very good story. Adam Cole's going to do one face. <laughs> he is going to do one face when the hair out of his He's going to do one face, but I don't think he's going to do three faces, nor do I think they're going to do three, four, five f- like false finishes. I think you're going to get a tiny bit of something that's always going to be in Cole. But I think Hangman Page, who's the champion, who's going to be it's his match. I think he's going to take the lead and say, I don't want to do an NXT match. I kind of want to work a match in my way. And I think Cole being the nice guy that he is, is going to meet him in the middle. Um I think this won't be a cliched NXT Adam Cole match, but Andy Murray has a convincing argument as to why it might. Yeah, that that's and it's not to say that the these the matches we're describing are bad or whatever. It's a different taste. Um, just a bit shallow. Yes, yes. It's it's generating drama using techniques that have kind of become a bit worn out. The constant finisher kickouts and the the shocked faces, which are a pet peeve of mine. Shadow and pedantic. Yeah. If I <laughs> if I could uh, eradicate anything from pro wrestling, you know, aside from ob- obvious things like predators, um, it, it would be <laughs> the shocked facial expression after it. I'm being facetious, of right, course. Son. <laughs> he's, a, he's a big fan of me personally, Ryan Satin. So you take that back. Um, where I've completely lost my train of thought again. Cool, 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 cool. Yes. Uh, so there are little things that do worry me a little bit about it, and it is the NXTisms that are are present in Adam Cole's AEW run so far. He has done a lot of the shocked facial expressions, even in like eight minute TV matches. Um, the spot with him and Britt Baker looking shocked at each other down the ramp from the intergender match. I was like, oh, brothers, this is uh, this is uh, certainly quite the Stamfordian influence here, my friends. Um, that's what I would be worried about. The for me, the quality would hinge on the influence of Adam Page, and for the reasons Michael has outlined, it's it's almost likely, most certain, that Page, his footprint will be more over the match than NXT version of Adam Cole's. Yeah. Um, he has proven himself an incredibly smart wrestler over the years, particularly in the past few months. He has done incredibly well to eradicate the perception, and I shared this perception that he didn't need a long title run because he was such a good chaser that he would inevitably be a a poorer, a worse, slightly worse champion by comparison. I think that's nonsense now. Uh, The Danielson matches justify that, but you can't use the Danielson matches alone because he's wrestling Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson doesn't have worse than very good matches. Um, You go to the Lance match from there. What an over-delivery that was and the precision in some of the spots in that match in particular. Hangman Page is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He has got a great mind for this stuff and laying things out. Um, The program to date, I thought the, the... Post-match angle was very strong uh, here. I mean, it's classic stuff, isn't it? He's he's chained to the ropes. He can't do anything while his mates are getting beat up. Cole was a total prick in it. Um, and I'll put Adam Cole over as well. I think Adam Cole is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. I'd, if anyone comes out of this discussion aligning me with those knobs on Twitter who are criticizing <laughs> Adam Cole's <laughs> AEW run so far, look at how over he is, man. Like, come on. You can't look at this and say it's any kind of bust. It has been a complete success from start to finish. The only issue I have is that he does indulge in some things that I personally, one guy, that's it. Yeah doesn't like all that much. Um, the The ceiling for this is extremely high. My personal floor for it is quite low, however. Um, but I'll give them every chance in the world to prove me wrong. And, you know, I'm kind of convinced they will. Like you say, Sid, intriguing to see if this goes on last or the dog collar match, for example. No, it's going on last. Yeah, it's but confirmed. Tony Khan's oh, already it confirmed it, yeah. Uh, well, in that case, uh, it's one of those things where I, I don't think, I mean, neither of you have said it, I've not heard... Uh, anyone, to be perfectly honest, say, I think Adam Cole's leaving the world title. And yet, 
I have such faith in these two to craft a, a fantastic world title match. There will come a point where Adam Cole will lower the boom or hit, a, I don't know, hit an, an insane move. And I'll go, oh, cool. So they're switching the title onto Cole, I suppose, yeah. as that three count happens. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, it, it's an incredible card to look forward to. Uh, let us know your predictions on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. And, of course, join us uh, for our live stream for it on Sunday night. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from because myself and Hamlet will be discussing it in the small hours or potentially Monday morning, depending on how long this goes, um, as a podcast. So make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. And that will be in your feed as soon as it is released. But that's enough talk for now about AEW Revolution 2022, at least, because it's now time for a bloody good quiz. You told me this was going to be on The Fiend. <laughs> this is not. God damn it, I'm going home. I finished five minutes ago. <laughs> I'm not staying around for this. <laughs> quiz is brought to you by The Dog Dadley. Thank well, you for your, for, for your five-star review. Michael Hamlet will not like that name. <laughs> if you... <laughs> If you want to have your name associated with the hashtag Bloody Good Quiz, all you need to do is subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Leave us a five-star review on there. Uh, like the dog, Dadley, I'll need your help on this, Sige, uh, who writes, Big fan of the shows. The takes on AW are generally quite... Deft. I'll often watch a show and think about what the Dadleys will make of it before even listening to the podcast. Uh, the output of What Culture Wrestling is deserving of five stars and genuinely brilliant. So thank you very much, thank the you. dog, Dadley, thank you. for that. Uh, this week's quiz, though, is... Half about the Fiend. law of revolution, i.e. the last two years of the shows. And, well, we'll find out what the second half of the quiz is when we get there. Fiend. It's not about the Fiend. Flat Friday. It's not. <laughs> swore again. You stupid arsehole. Hey, mate, you've done like 12. Come on. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I've done one. He's been you, good. You, you, you got, no, you muffle it. You muffle it. You know what you should do? You should, you should muffle it. <laughs> Fuck you. <bro. laughs> Right, 10 questions, multiple choice, shouting name, wait for me to come to you. Uh, but most of all, guys, it's just for fun. Okay, so the first half is all about the history of revolution. Okay, question number one. Who debuted on the Revolution 2020 buy-in? Sidgwick, Colt Cabana. Jesus Christ. Yay! Don't worry, there's still the second half of the quiz to come. Okay. Oh, God, this is going to be about Tom who is she? <laughs> Que Tom. Question two. Uh, this is a, a 50 50, so if you get it wrong, a point goes to your opponent. Question number two Who did Hangman Page pin to retain the tag titles at Revolution 2020? Was it? Sidgwick, Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson? That was going to be the options. Yay! <laughs> Quick quiz this. Literally wrote a book. This is unfair. Uh, question number three How did MJF cheat to beat Cody Rhodes? Did he hit him with the weight belt? Use a lead pipe. You have Wardlow hit Cody with an F10. Or did he hit him with the beautiful... Cedric D ring. Beautiful diamond ring. Yay! Cool. <laughs> okay, you might have a chance at this. <laughs> good, this. Good content, this, isn't okay. it? It's great, this. <laughs> we'll move on to Revolution 2021. Who was the first person eliminated from Revolution 2021's tag team casino royale thing? that Ray Phoenix and Jungle Boy had that mint closing segment of. Was it Alan Angels, Mike Seidel, Matt Seidel, or Pretty Peter Avalon? Andy, Peter Avalon. No, hey. dear, that's wrong. Well, the remaining three options. Seidel's or Alan Five Angels? <sighs> Mike Seidel. No, dear, that's wrong. It's Alan Angels, oh. followed, followed by the Sad Owls, followed by... That serves him right for ruining the business that time he went five minutes with Kenny Omega. I know. <laughs> he never recovered from that, did he? Yeah, killed. Omega. killed. Yeah. AW went out of business. He, he, he didn't go on to headline <laughs> literally three of the AEW pay-per-views. That were the top AEW pay-per-views. Never happened. <laughs> okay, it's 3 nil to see. All three, all three. Question, question five. What star rating did Dave Meltzer give the exploding barbed wire death match? Cedric, four and a half. Yay! Right, it's okay. Do you know that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now, four nil to Sidge, but said before, there was a bit of confusion um, in terms of who was going to be in the office today, and I did a bit of prep just in case it was going to be just myself and Andy Murray on, on WrestleCulture. Solo quiz. A lot of people are, are off or, or filming stuff elsewhere or whatever it may be. So the second half of this quiz is all about wrestling Andes. 
People called Andy who wrestle. Andy Right Leg Ridge. Okay, question six. This is where the pendulum swings the opposite way, you see. Question six. How old was the butcher, a.k.a. Andy Williams, when he made his wrestling debut? Was he 36, 38, 40, or 42? You've asked me a question about my favorite wrestler straight away, and I don't know the answer. Well, yeah, Very I, cool. I, I, I thought this might be a bit of a tough one for you. Andy. Incredible achievement, whatever it is. So he's in his 40s now. The first I saw of Andy Complains, a.k.a. The Butcher, a.k.a. Buck, what, what's the name of the match? Bunkhouse Butch, there we oh, go. Yes. Was in Bloodsport against Chris Dickinson about four years ago. Was 38 an option? It was. Let's go for that. Friendship on the line here. <laughs> Yay! Hey! It was it's um, I don't want to do a bit. Don't do that. Don't no, don't neg the process. Okay. Question seven. Four one. All to play for. Question seven. Andy Levine won tough enough back in twenty eleven. <laughs> Who the hell is Andy Levine? He won tough enough. He won tough okay. enough. Okay. He, he did a segment with Austin and McMahon and yeah, got, got stunned. I don't remember this at all. But who didn't make a guest appearance on the show that year? We all watched it. We all remember this? Seen this? Watched this? Was it <laughs> the Miss John Morrison, Kelly Kelly, or Natalia, who didn't make a guest appearance on Tough Enough 2011? Wow. Um, Sidgwick can answer this first to take an option off the board. Okay. <laughs> what the options, options are the Miss John Morrison, <laughs> Kelly Kelly, or Natalia, who didn't make a guest appearance. Kelly Kelly. No, dear, that's wrong. Can you do your impression of Kelly Kelly's theme music? What's, which one's Kelly Kelly? Very sexy. She did make an appearance. Very good. Very well, who didn't? Evidently. Uh, Great. Great. I don't know what you're doing. Um, Miss jo- Mar- John Morrison or Natalia? The fiend. Hmm. Um, <laughs> John Morrison. No. Yes. <laughs> the Miz. I don't know. <laughs> What's your answer? John Morrison. No, dear, that's it wrong. It would have been disingenuous to change my mind. It was Natalia anyway, so I it doesn't really matter either way. Uh, okay, question eight. Well, well, you've missed an opportunity. Go, what could she have taught them? <laughs> I'm surprised by you. You always get a dig in. It's got heart in her name. Indeed. Uh, a squall in her sting. Question eight. If you get, you can still pull this back, Andy. Gas in her ass because of the farting yeah, gimmick. Fart, yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Andy Kaufman, remember him, the legend. Offered how much money to any woman who could pin him? Was it two hundred and fifty dollars, five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, or five thousand dollars? I recently watched the Jim Carrey gimmick, so she probably Man on the moon. Yeah, I should probably know this, but uh, I do know. Thousand dollars, Andy. Yay! Hey, good stuff. Two to go. Okay, you can draw. It's you can good. draw. You can oh. draw that stuff. I'll be like check T But then, if I don't draw, I'll be like check T every game after that. Yeah. <laughs> Question nine. Um, all about wrestling, Andy's. Who did R- Andy Savage beat in the main event of WrestleMania Four? <laughs> Sidgwick. Ted DiBiase. Yeah. Fear. You can't call him Andy Savage. I called him. I think you listen back. I'll play back. You can't pop me Andy and then Savage. And then he sweeps in like a vulture while I'm crying. <laughs> it was Ted DiBiase. Yeah, it was that. Uh, final question, though. My, my favorite question. And best of all, this is winner take all. Advice. Winner take all. <laughs> Um, we all, you know, talk about your you know, favorite wrestlers in the office. You know, you've got people who like Kenny Omega or people who like Randy Orton or sorry, no, I'm not actually right. <laughs> but people like Brian Danielson and, and what have you. <coughs> the fiend. But we all agree that our favorite wrestler in the office is of course German wrestler Absolute Andy, right? Ah, big dad guy. That he had a gimmick. He was like well, a, uh, yeah, yeah. German wrestler Absolute Andy also goes. <laughs> By what other name is it? Mr. Erotic, <laughs> Andy the Bear, the Human Monster Truck, or Ike Andy? You, you're such a cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
He does like a dad bod gimmick. I'm pretty certain he's in WXW. What are the options again? Mr. Erotic. I'm going to go for Mr. Erotic. <laughs> Ye olde eye candy. That's what I'm going for if he's wrong. <laughs> I can tell you that his other gimmick alongside Absolute Andy is Ghetto Boy Andy. Have you seen this man? He's like, that is the worst name for him ever. Like, he's just a big bald guy. Like, he's like me. Uh, I can tell you a name. He's not, he's not Andy the Bear, because that was the name of a bear that used to wrestle, apparently. <laughs> he doesn't give any... He, but the correct answer was, Max Cedric, you said, Mr. Erotic. Yay! It <laughs> is the correct answer. A Mr. Erotic is a great... Alter ego, I suppose. But absolutely. I only go and watch Val Venus used it. Yeah, you know what happened to him? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go off and watch a bit of Absolute Andy. He's good. He's very entertaining, Absolute Andy. And the homework for this weekend ahead of Revolution is, of course, to go and watch that dog collar match. Because let's be honest, there's probably going to be some callbacks because they bloody love it, those two. Come. But congratulations to you, Michael thank Sidgwick. Thank you. you are uh, thank you. <laughs> you are the winner of this week's Wrestle Culture Quiz. <laughs> and let us know how you got on in on Twitter, in fact, at WhatCultureWWE. And like I said, make sure you let us know your predictions ahead of Revolution 2022. This weekend, myself and Phil Chambers will be doing a live stream for it. Uh, Andy and Hamlet will be writing loads for the site about it. And Sid's going to be talking all about it on Monday as well. We'll get your thoughts eventually, I promise, because it's going to be such a sensational pay-per-view. Uh, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling uh, to hear all the fallout from it. You can follow all three of us on Twitter. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can follow Andy Murray at... At Andy H. Murray. The H stands for Stephen. And it does. The H is silent. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and as I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, this has been Wrestle Culture. My thanks to Andy to Cedric. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Wrestle in front of a live studio audience. Wrestling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.